Welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick, and I'm feeling like a million dollars today, but at a point where the exchange rate is not great. So a million dollars actually doesn't equal a million. It equals about 20 bucks. So I'm feeling like a $20 bill, not crisp, not clean, but usable and functional today. Yesterday, I went all the way to a uh, apartment in the building I am in and sat around, watched some Norm MacDonald clips on the YouTube, and had some bubbly, and had some gin and soda in a can, and ate some chips. And I feel weird today. I don't, I've, I feel, I don't want to say hungover. It's such a, it's such a loaded term, hung, bad connotations, over, terrible connotations, end. So I'll just say I feel a little the worst for wear. And I could use more exposure to the outside world. Will I get it? I don't know. I'm supposed to leave the apartment in like 25, 30 minutes, so I suppose I will get it. And that's a good thing. I was out earlier. It was beautiful. It's almost October, and it's still beautiful here in the 6, the T-Dot, Hogtown, the Big Smoke, Toronto. A place that I once called in a song, Our Boring City. I don't even know if it's boring anymore. Everything's all hurly-burly and topsy-turvy. I'm sure there's exciting stuff going on there, outside. I, I know that there's some uh, drift racing that seems to be constantly happening in the certain ends of the city. The best story, of course, being that there was some large drift competition, uh, and the police went to break it up, and the people with the... Uh, they were, like, they were setting fire to... Uh, and they set up, like, a path of fire for the cars to drive through. They're really serious about their drifting, these drifters. And the police showed up, and they were apparently hostile to the police. So we are on the verge of a lawless car racing culture here in Toronto. And you are all invited. No passport necessary. Hey, here's a rule that sucks. Did you know that basically an American could just walk into Canada, work, for a Canadian to do the same in America? Nah. As far as I know, we can't even tour in America without getting a visa. And Americans can tour here with no visa. How did these dumb rules get made? It truly is like we have an older brother who just tells us when we can use the record player. And the answer is we can use it when we give the brother five dollars and you know what i don't have five dollars i have a i'm a 20 and i need to be that 20 i can't break the 20 because i am the 20 if i break the 20 i'll stop working a lot of gibberish there i'll stand by it today's kind of a q a episode i i'm still having a hard time doing events i haven't synced back into going to events. Friday there was an event on Toronto Island and I looked out the window and I said, oh, it's overcast. 
I, I can't risk it. Because you got to get on your bike, bike down to the end of the city, get on a ferry, then you're on an island. If it rains, you might get struck by lightning. The chances are higher. So I skipped reuniting with the wonderful people I know on Toronto Island. And then yesterday, I don't know, it was my friend's birthday, and it was one of those things where there was texting back and forth. Oh, we're here, oh, we're there. And then next thing you know, it's 10 o'clock, and I'm invited to something in the same building, and I just go upstairs and have a couple classes of champ. Much simpler. With no children, will this be the life I lead for the next 50 years? That's right. No, 70 years. That's right. I plan on living to the age of 111. Did you know that the actress Catherine Deneuve's mother died this year? How old was she? 109. So Catherine Deneuve will be protesting feminism for at least another 30 years. She wrote a uh, scathing letter about the Me Too movement last year. Just a little fact about Catherine Deneuve. Catherine Deneuve. Beautiful person, facially. So I got asked a few questions. Yesterday I thought I'd be recording an episode, so I put out an AMA. Did not record the episode. But I did get the questions, so I thought I'd answer your questions. The first one was from Chris, my buddy from New York. Chris Gersbeck. Wonderful podcast producer. Producer in general. He asked me the, my thoughts on what to expect from the many saints of Newark. How's it going to be? Many Saints of Newark, and is it worth a trip to the, the theater? That's what else he asked. Uh, the Many Saints of Newark, I'm very excited for, for those who don't know, but I think my demo knows. It is the Sopranos prequel, put together by David Chase, uh, directed by someone else, but he did co-write the movie, and it's obviously in the Sopranos universe, so he probably had an insane amount of input. Uh, and it's about Christopher, Michael Imperioli's character, uh, his father, Dickie Moltisanti, and I think his family in general. And I recently learned Moltisanti means many saints, and that's why it's called the Many Saints of Newark. Because when I first heard that title, I was like, the Many Saints of Newark. Saints, saints, boondock saints. Oh, no, boondock saints. Uh-oh, is this going to be like boondock saints? I don't want to see it then. There is a lot off top about this movie that made me unsure. James Gandolfini's great. His son seems really cool. But when you book, but, but his son also looks like him. So I just thought, well, they cast his son in the film as a young Tony. And I just thought, oh, I really, really hope it goes well. And I was worried. And frankly, maybe a little pessimistic. I don't know. Then you would see pictures where it's like kids who are made to look like the younger versions of the Sopranos characters they're playing, and it had kind of a Bugsy Malone feel. I'm sort of, I, I'm, I'm starting with the negative here, but I'm just going to fast forward to closer to the date of release and definitely watching people's reactions um, because I couldn't make heads or tails out of the trailer. So I really just had to base it on, on what people have been talking about after seeing the film. I think it's going to be good. I have a good feeling about this one. And also, Michael Imperioli mentioned a spoiler because it premiered in England recently. So he 
uh, put a, a bit of a spoiler out. It's just about something you find out at like the very beginning of the movie, but I won't tell it to you in case you're someone who wants complete surprise about this. You've probably heard it anyway, but I won't bring it up specifically. I will just say it got me very excited. It was a surprise that really made me think, okay, I do want to see this. Oh, also Ray Liotta being it for, in it for some reason made me feel a little strange because I just associate Ray Liotta, I kind of put him in the Michael Madsen category where it's like a lot of the time the things you see Ray Liotta in nowadays, it's not the best. But I am now very excited for the film. And I think it's a good cast and, and I'm excited. And I think I will see it in the theaters. Because I saw The Irishman in the theaters as well. And I felt like that was worth it. I've told many people I don't go to the bathroom. I don't, I've told many people I don't go to the bathroom. I've lied. No, I didn't go to the bathroom during the entire viewing of The Irishman in the theaters. I don't know how I pulled it off, but I did. So give me a MacArthur grant. I think I deserve $100,000 for watching all The Irishman and not getting up. You can't pause it when you're at the theater. I wish you could. That would be a game changer. Yeah, so... So many Saints of Newark, that, that's the answer. I'm really excited. I, I'm really happy. I don't want to jinx it, but like, if they make it good, that is just so cool. I am so happy to hear it. Because it is so, it is incredibly difficult at this point to build on The Sopranos. There's so much pressure, and the way that the show is perfect to me is you never know how that's going to be 20 years later. Everyone knows Godfather 3 was a very different feeling thing than the other two. And, and I think that that sort of slipshod aspect could hit any franchise, no matter how good it is originally. So the fact that this might be good just fills me with joy and hope. It was like when the pandemic began and Curb Your Enthusiasm's new season started and the last Curb Your Enthusiasm before that had just been a little subpar from what I saw. And this was not. This was high quality that got me through that period of time. So that's my answer, Chris. Thanks for asking. And then the other question I got was from uh, Alexis. Alexi. A couple simple questions. I can answer these very quickly. Cards or dice? Cards or dice? Uh, I'm going to go with dice. I used to play Dungeons and Dragons. Use dice for that. Board games. Dice are often key. I like a lot of dice-based board games. And then the whole thing where you play dice on the ground and throw money down and stuff. I don't totally understand how that works, but it's aesthetically pleasing. So I will go with dice. Cards. I don't like the eye contact aspect. Lots of eye contact inherently when you're playing cards. Or lack of, or very pronounced lack of eye contact, which makes me uncomfortable as well. So, dice all the way. Beard or mustaches? Now, I know. Now, Alexis, he's been around for a long time. He's seen my bands. We, As I've said here before, I had a band called Why the Beard. I never 
publicly made a, I had a band. I had a song called Why the Beard in one of my bands. Never publicly commented on mustache. I did have a joke where I said mustache. Mustache, more like musk-stash, retains smells. They retain smells. Musk-stash. But, so I weighed against beards, had no public statement upon the mustache. So, I will tell you right now, the answer is mustache. I had a beard, and now I have a mustache. The beard was fun, but then I got sick of the beard. Taking care of it was too much. You, there's always a little gray, and you always see that. And then people, you know, it's who wants to sort of kiss that? And I just didn't feel like it, it fit the person I am right now. So, shaved it down. Now I'm at a mustache. It feels fun when I do auditions. I've been told, my friends say, you know, you're not going to get any parts with the mustache. And I say, well, you know what? When I film myself with the mustache, I think it looks great. I find it aesthetically pleasing and kind of humorous. So I'm all in on the mustache. I'm not going to have it for the rest of my life, but I'm having fun with it, and they're fun, and I'm no... And, I ain't gonna. I don't like it, the curling and of the t ends and going to the barber. Make my mustache cool. There's a type of mustache I hate. There's a few, and I used to see them around Toronto all the time. People here fall into the similar looks very easily, but the one I have, I'm feeling it. I'm loving it. I'm feeling myself. So thanks for the question, Alexis. Lex, Alexi, I don't know. I've known you for a long time. Let's just say those are all proper pronunciations. I'm giving you final question. It's from Fiona, listener Fiona, a patron. Thank you. You too can go to patreon.com or ko-fi.com. Throw me a little money for this, chari this charitable work I'm doing on this podcast. Fiona asked me if I have... Advice for an adult ADHD diagnosis, for those who've just gotten one. And uh, first of all, Fiona asked me this, thinking she may have missed the boat. They may have missed the boat. I was nowhere near recording the episode, so you did not miss the boat. Do I have advice for people who have just gotten adult an adult ADHD diagnosis, which I did about 11 years ago. I got an ADHD diagnosis when I had enough insurance money to cover about a third of, like, a, about two, a third or something. Like basically, not a lot of a very expensive cost. So my first advice for someone who just got an adult ADHD diagnosis would be uh, try to recoup the money you spent because it's not fair that it costs so much. And don't be discouraged if it seems like they gave you nothing or not, not enough. And if, if they're giving you... Because all I was told when I got the diagnosis was take this medication and, you know, get an ADHD coach, which is an industry that was created around ADHD 
that charges basically what people charge specialized care for children because that's what you know ADHD treatment is normally aim- was was aimed at for years uh you know and 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 child helping prices are very high so ADHD coaching is pretty expensive so i was told take this medication and get this thing you can't afford so i couldn't get the thing i couldn't afford couldn't get the coaching and just relied on the medication which didn't alter behavior it just altered focus improved focus but didn't improve um, prioritizing and emotional management millions of other or not millions many other pressing symptoms of ADD ADHD vast some people call it vast so my advice would be to immediately attempt um, an, a holistic approach. If you do have insurance and you can find a good therapist who has knowledge of ADHD, um, that can exist in a bit of the accountability and um, dialogue that, that a coach might give. So that would be, and, and coaches are often not covered by insurance, but therapists often are. And, uh, yeah, so I'd say hunt down a therapist who for sure has, if they don't have experience with ADHD, that they're very willing to listen to you, which is, uh, I think doctors have a problem with this sometimes, the term engaged patient, but you need to get pretty proactive in educating yourself about what's going on because uh, there are often a lot of... um, it's kind of simplified when they just tell you you have it. But if you can read a book, the, the Hallowell Rady books about ADHD, Driven to Distraction, Delivered from Distraction. Several books. Um, ADD Stole My Car Keys by Rick Green. Um, even the complete <laughs> Idiot's Guide to ADD is a very good place to start. So just educating yourself on that. And Additude.com. Attitude Magazine, A-D-D-I-T-U-D. Look that up on the web and subscribe to their new le- newsletter and stuff. That will keep you very up-to-date on what's going on. Uh, you can sort of enter the world of t- social media ADHD, but I do find that that's a bit of a rabbit hole because I think that on the internet, when you quote-unquote find your people, it can create a bit of a rut, like a circular rut, where it's always just talking about your symptoms and your attempt to manage them. But, if look, if it makes you feel good to be in that, that's great. But when I... I'm just trying to say, I follow these ADD people on, on Twitter. Half of them don't follow back. It's a person who has rejection-sensitive... More than half... I have, as a person with rejection-sensitive dysphoria on some level, which is something you should also look up, I get that doesn't help. A book doesn't have to follow me back. A therapist has to follow me back. So guaranteed professional, like working with as many professionals as possible, but at the same time, a support group, a support system, that's important. 
but I would just take it out of the internet, out of the stranger sphere, or tr try to get FaceTime, even though this is a harder time to be around people. Um, yeah, so that's about it. Uh, I would just say, don't try not to give up. Uh, discouragement is natural, um, and and that doesn't mean it's uh, that you're screwed for life. It's just going to be have to. It, it's a work. It's going to be a real work in progress. So, it's better that you know. I hope that helps. Well, ADHD advice. That's what I got. Thanks for the question, Fiona. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hopefully I will get an episode to you sooner than later, another one, and have a great time in your life. Have the time of your life during the time of your life. These are the times of the season. That season being autumn. Have a great solstice. Love you.